Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. My name is Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. If you are interested in having an Ayurvedic consultation to enhance the quality of your health and well-being with me, please find the details in the show notes of this episode or visit vigneshdevraj.com. In this episode, I am interviewing Kevin Oros, a high-performance coach, workshop and retreat facilitator. He is also the host of the Revolution podcast. The topics we discuss in this episode with Kevin are what does it mean to be masculine? How history created this discrimination between men and women? The origin of why men don't cry belief. Importance of emotions. And definition of masculine and feminine energy. The positive impact of brotherhood. A very interesting episode not just for men but for women too as we live in a new advanced time not known to the ancient brain that we possess. Now we go over to Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Thank you so much for being a part of my podcast, Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond. I'm so looking forward for this unique topic. And this is a topic that has always confused many people, including me. And, uh, you know, confusion leads to a lot of clarity in the later stages. So it's time we discuss this topic in a real way so that people can understand what does this actually mean to be masculine and what it means to be a man. And listening to all the topics that you are dealing with, I think, I don't think I can find a better person than you in discussing about this topic. So thank you, Kevin, for being a part of my podcast. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Vignesh, for inviting me. And uh, it's an honor to be here. So Kevin, what does it mean to be a man? I mean, we live in a world where we have different opinions about this. Like sometimes we say, patriarchy is not helping the world words like male dominance is not helping and everybody has to be a feminist so we see a different concepts coming in together so what does it mean to be a man do we have a particular definition or is it varying according to different parts or is there a predisposition that every person who is having xx or xy so when you are having xy does it mean that everybody is a man or what what is it that we need to understand here. Yeah, this is a, this is a deep question, and really, you know, I, I look to the historical process mm-hmm. and the ancient village lifestyle that our people came out of. Right, no matter like where you are living, from in the world, the tribal yeah. living. Yeah, and, and and it hasn't been that long in Western culture or in Eastern culture where the idea of masculinity is even up for debate. Mm -hmm. So it's important to to point out that this question, um, not, not not the way you're asking it, but the way it's often portrayed in the media right now, that like masculinity is just a concept. And this is like the postmodern deconstructionalist idea, which I find is, is very destructive. Um, it does not help us synthesize and integrate healthy men. Um, it's it's very important to understand that this stuff has only arisen in the last 150, 100 years. And, and really since the 1500s in Europe, when the idea of masculinity, there was even enough um, context and economic, you know, 
stability slash class distance to even talk about this stuff. Because when you look at a traditional, and I speak of traditional in like the homo sapiens, mm -hmm. not one culture, the traditional man, right? Mm -hmm. Or the, the, the core tenets of masculinity is all about service. Mm. It's all about action. And it's all about what I would name, you know, manifesting the, the active principle or the God principle, the young principle, you know, you can call it Shiva. It's this ability to provide, protect provision. And this might look like hunting. This might look like business. This might look like physical protection and, and construction. So we should probably live somewhere safe. We should create safety for the rest of the village, including ourselves and male bodies. We should also have some idea of the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. So this is where tactical, strategic, you know, discrimination thinking, discrimination as in, okay, this land is, is where we're going to set up shop. And we're also going to, you know, we're going to move out into the environment and be in harmony with the natural world. I'm not talking about like ownership or domination. I'm talking about the survival skills that make a man, a man, and men are better at certain things via nature. And you can try to argue that and say that anyone can do anything, but you know, statistically, if you look at modern careers and you look at child rearing, or you look at, um, there's so many, and I don't, we don't have time to get into all of this. This is a place where like, I would invite the listener to do their own research. Mm -hmm. Um, men thrive at certain things. And historically those things have been, you know, often very physically demanding or dangerous. They have been very mentally or, um, you know, time binding. So understanding time and how to make proper sacrifice. And this means like hunting, you know, growing crops, creating a business, making war, um, building a civilization. And women are in a symbiosis with that. And they have a very different complementary position in that structure. Um, it's not about one or the other. Men and women can't exist without each other. We're here as a team. And so that's kind of the long-winded starting point for like defining masculinity and what it has been, what it is, and what it's becoming, which I believe is a healthy return to a lot of these concepts. Fantastic. So if we have to uh, deconstruct this again to the current society, did we miss the bus somewhere? I think so. I, I think, I mean, it, it's hard to pinpoint where this started happening. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, let's, let's speak to the shadow directly. Mm -hmm. Have men in power historically abused their power? hundred mm -hmm. yeah, percent. And this is where like the page, the patriarchy as a, as this evil force, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. And not only have women and children and the environment suffered under that, but men have suffered under that. So it's, it's not like it's just men oppressing women, this patriarchal structure. Yes. Has been run by men. And, and honestly, if you look at the world, it's run by old white men, mm -hmm. if we're going to be specific. And why is that? That's a very interesting thing to unpack. Now, that being said, where we've missed the boat is that this whole toxic masculinity thing, um, the Me Too movement, which at its core is very healthy, airing the trauma, 
creating a conversation around trauma, around sexual abuse, around, you know, domestic violence. This is really important. And the cancel culture, the, the movement to destroy gender or to say like, you know, there's no such thing as gender. That's just a, that's an artifact of culture. And really you can be whoever you want. You can even identify as a, as an animal or an alien or a dragon, or just, you can make up your own gender. Um, these ideas. And again, I'm speaking from my experience. Like you have to do your own research on this stuff. And honestly, I believe you have to trust your personal experience. How useful is that to a young boy or a young girl growing up and trying to understand how to manifest their best self in a society? Is it useful to just tell them they can be whatever they want and there aren't, you know, some structures and some like natural proclivities and abilities that they actually can live into in an authentic way. I think it's very important that young boys specifically, well, to where we miss the boat is the loss of the rite of passage. That's the short answer for men. The rite of passage. Did you just say rite of passage? And can you yeah. explain more on that? So in all, in all ancient cultures, you can go anywhere in the world, aboriginals, African tribes, South American central tribes, um, the indigenous of Asia, everywhere. Women are initiated by life in a certain way when they first bleed. Mm -hmm. And most women will become mothers, mm -hmm. not all, but most women. And so in that process, the woman is initiated by biology. Now, mm -hmm. there still are ceremonies and rituals that the women had. But as a boy, becoming a man, there's a cross, there's a crossing, there's a threshold. Mm -hmm. And this is where those initiation rituals or rites of passage would happen. And so the men in the tribe, all the other men, the elders, the chief, the wise men, the, the older, the uncles, the father, the whole community of men would take that, that boy into a process where his boy personality could die and his man personality could be born. And it's a, it's a, it's a crossing of a threshold to become a healthy adult, mature member of the tribe. And we don't have that mm -hmm. for modern men. Mm -hmm. And so what we have is men in adult bodies that are holding a lot of trauma and acting it out through addiction, abuse, violence, economically through war. And this is, this is at the root of what modern masculine movements are having to confront right now. Oh, that's super interesting how you mentioned that whatever we see is a result of the trauma not being addressed in its root. Yeah. So at the same time, we hear that, uh, I'm sure, uh, but definitely in my place, you know, we hear that uh, boys don't cry or men don't cry. You have to be strong. It's something that is exclusive for another gender, even though crying is a natural thing for every human being. So uh, why is it that certain emotions are not supposed to be a part of a particular gender. Where did we go there? And uh, how can we revisit that? Is it really the right thing, right approach to say it? Because once you keep putting that in a child's brain, you know, boys don't cry or men don't cry. And that's what that kid is going to grow up with. And that is another way of an unhealthy way of dealing with emotions. And that will result in many other aspects. And that is why I think, you know, on one hand, we, see, we hear that uh, we live in a male-dominant world. But if you enter the spiritual world, you will hear a lot of questions. Where are all the men? You know, that's another kind of question we hear that. 
I mean, some uh, sometimes when women come for consultations, they say, "Oh, it's so difficult to get a man," and I'm like, "Why is she saying like this?" You know, even though half of the population is men, what is happening? So I think somewhere, men don't cry. Such kind of myths have a lot to contribute in this kind of a global manifestation of what we are experiencing. Yeah, that's at the core for sure. That's one of those negative programs or spells that's been put on young men, and I, I certainly, you know, experienced that in my upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, this this isn't this is an outdated model, is what mm -hmm. it is. It's it has nothing. To, well, it has everything to do with being a human being, mm -hmm. which an emotional body and an emotional expression is a healthy intimate part of being a whole human being that's functioning well and there's tons of research now in neuroscience that when emotion gets trapped energy in motion it creates dis-ease because it down it dysregulates the nervous system and causes a lot of the chronic illnesses and issues that we all know that lead to a lot of death and suffering and emotional intelligence is something that's not taught even to women in the mainstream schooling or education. This is an education issue also. Um, for men, though, this idea that weakness is vulnerability mm -hmm. is a flaw. And it, and it comes from, you know, I, I believe as an evolutionary thinker and studying evolutionary biology and psychology, it comes from a good place initially where, yeah, if you were on the battlefield in ancient times, if you were hunting Oh, yes. And there's a saber-toothed tiger coming after you and you start breaking down and you can't control your emotion, you're dead. Exactly. So there's a reason where the masculine kind of might need to regulate their emotion at a high level. Now, that being said, when you're safe, when you're in rest and digest, when you're with your lover, when you're with your family, it's okay. In fact, it's necessary to show emotion and to feel it fully. Because that's how you create intimacy. That's how you create bonds. That's how the mirror neurons activate. That's how we generate oxytocin and pair bond. And that's what mammals do. That's what humans do. So when you shut that down and you can't turn it on, this is where you have the absent fathers. This is where you have the abusive partners. This is where you have addiction, suicide, which is at a massive rate in men compared to women. So I think we hit the nail regarding the topic of emotional unavailability. I think this is a big yeah. problem because we hear many in relationships too. I don't know the partner is emotionally unavailable. I think that unavailability has something to deal with a person not able to process what exactly is his emotion. Something, if I deal with this emotion, it's going to break me. That kind of a fear is coming there. I think what we need to teach is every emotion is beautiful. We just need to deal with it in the right perspective. Yeah. Well, emotion is happening. Exactly. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less than. It makes you whole. Mm -hmm. It's part of the human being. It's, a it's, it's arguably one of the most beautiful parts and most meaningful. Mm -hmm. But our culture has pushed away negative emotion. So rage or anger or sadness or grief, those are bad. You shouldn't feel those. So hide it. Don't show that. And this is completely toxic and dysfunctional. It's maladaptive. And so a big part of the journey for men in stepping into wholeness and in a relationship, if you have a partner, you know, it's going to be mirrored to you very intensely mm -hmm. is you get to feel your emotions and that's okay. 
that doesn't mean you get stuck in them. That doesn't mean you are, are identified with them and then get really attached to one emotion. Once you feel the emotion, it moves. And then you feel better and you return to equilibrium, which is happiness, joy, play, spontaneity. Just like a child. A child hurts itself or it gets its, his toy is taken or her toy is taken. She cries. She throws a fit. Mm-hmm. And then she forgets. And it's like, oh, okay. Now I'm happy or I'm hungry. And they're going to go play and they do the next thing. They don't hold the emotion. So this is where adults get to relearn emotional intelligence and how to flow that energy and share it and name it and process it and then move on. Well, I completely agree with that. There is this concept called the, the book called The Body Keeps the Score. And if you see most of the chronic ailments uh, that I, I treat, and also I'm sure many of us, we know, somewhere there was an emotion that was not dealt with and the body kept handling it and that the pain kept increasing and it was like a pressure cooker or a frog in the boiling water. And one fine day, they are sentenced with a chronic disease that cannot be reversed. Even then, if they are able to revisit that emotion and work on themselves, they will start seeing that suddenly the body starts renewing itself and healing. And I think that's where the word, there are no incurable diseases, only incurable personalities. And I think Mm. the incurable personality is someone who is not able to visit their true emotions in the right perspective. Right. I think in one way, if we discuss this, healing is a way of handling your emotions in the right way. Yeah, we could also it's a, it's a huge part of it. Exactly. Emotions can heal or they can destroy, depending on how you use them, just like energy. Exactly. And, and Kevin, you know, we talk about uh, every man has a feminine side and every woman has a masculine side. And even yes. if you deconstruct the word masculinity, it comes from the, actually it comes from a biological word muscle. You know, muscle means I'm strong. And muscle definition is always something that shows you he's strong, he is fearless, and he is someone who can kill and run and escape. So that is why even the word masculinity has a, has a deep underlying uh, you know, meaning that he can survive and escape and protect. Hmm. And feminine is all about, if you look at the word, somewhere, the, if you see the word femme, it has a French origin. And also, the element iron has a lot contributed to this word fem, feminine. You know, that's why Ferrum means iron, and that's why the blood is red and more iron. That's why women suffer with anemia than men. And it's all to do with groundedness or being grounded. So when we say, I mean, when we deconstruct these two words, and at the same time, when we say that a man should have a feminine side and a woman should have a masculine side, and sometimes you see that, oh, he's a feminine man, or she is a very tomboy, that kind of a word. Is it something from biology or some, sometimes it just picked up? Or is there something that we need to be aware of this concept? I mean, certainly there's biological substrates. Mm-hmm. So both men and women have testosterone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I assume both men and women have estrogen. Yes, sure. And there's various types of molecules, right? And they have different, you know, ratios. Mm-hmm. So there are physiological things that are mediating what we would name masculine and feminine energy. That being said, you know, a lot of this stuff is on the psychic, emotional, mental layer. So, you know, I I forget the tribe. I think it's South America. This is, this comes up in my book um, with my co-authors, but basically they had five types of beings. Mm -hmm. 
they had men that were masculine dominant, men that were feminine dominant, women that were masculine dominant, women that are feminine dominant, and then the equal, the fifth, which is like equal both sides, masculine, feminine. So they were kind of androgynous. And those were like the genders or the energetics. And this was in like, you know, Amazonian Indian tribe. Mm -hmm. And so you can imagine that that is something that has occurred in nature. And you go to the ancient Greeks, you know, um, Plato's writing about this in the symposium and, and how like there's these halves and these energetics. And I think it's quite natural. Now, that being said, I think, I mean, I can speak for myself as a man with dominant masculine energy touching on the feminine energy or the yin, if we want to use the Taoist terms of yin and yang, the yin energy or essence is very important to understand and dance with. Because mm -hmm. if you don't understand it or don't even have an access point to it, access point to stillness, to surrender, to loving the body, to feeling and sensation, to slowing down, to intuition and spontaneity, mm -hmm. as opposed to rigid action, execution, pure language, pure thought, you know, these are, these are broad brush strokes of masculine and feminine. It's really important for a man to integrate both sides. Mm -hmm. And that, that's actually when you come into totality and the same thing for a woman, for a woman to actually access those masculine parts, that energy of, of the masculine male and female energy. And I, I really see this in nature. This, this is beyond human beings. You can look at nature and like, you know, this shows up in language. Why is the ocean feminine in a lot of cultures or the moon feminine? Some cultures, the ocean's masculine, the moon's masculine. It's about the story we tell and how we relate to energy. And ideally, the way this shows up in relationship is that the man has both masculine and feminine potentiated within him. So he's not projecting all of his feminine energy, wounding, shadow, trauma onto the woman. And vice versa. And that's really where the rubber meets the road is in a relationship. So you, you treat about, I mean, uh, you teach about, you know, masculine mastery. There's some, one of your courses that you do, you help men find their masculinity. So what is the essence of finding that masculinity according to you? According to me and, and my mentors and my experience as a man, you've got to have a mission or something to fight for, a North Star, a purpose, mm -hmm. an orientation in life. And it doesn't have to be grandiose. You can be a gardener, a janitor, a father, you know, something very simple. Mm -hmm. Or you can be, you know, whatever you want. You can be the leader of a movement. You can be, you know, an author, a speaker, you know, whatever it is, a pro athlete, something amazing. Um, but it's important that you, you, you clearly define that and you move towards it. I also think that, you know, training and discipline, physical, mental, emotional is very important. And so this is what I teach in the course and specifically around manifesting the man's power in relationship to the four archetypes. Mm -hmm. which goes way, way, way back. Um, Carl Jung is someone who described it a lot. Robert Moore described it a lot, both amazing authors and psychotherapists. And basically the, the male psyche has that king, warrior, magician, and lover. Mm -hmm. And the fifth element is the totality of them. And these are the aspects of a man's being, right? The ability to execute and get things done, the hunter, the warrior. 
the ability to intuit and go into trance and, and commune with God or commune with nature, the magician, the ability to enjoy life, to be artistic, to be playful, passionate, the lover, and then the ability to lead, to command and to own space and lead from a sovereignty from the throne, the king. And so every man has these aspects and they show up all throughout literature and film and media and they show up in our individual lives. They show up in business mm -hmm. and, and whatever your job is or your career, it'll show up there and it'll show up in your relationship, right? It'll show up in your sexuality and your language and how you date and how you, in your marriage, whatever. So it's really important to unlock these archetypes mm -hmm. and understand how you personally, because it'll be different for every man, can embody them and practice the gifts that each has and overcome the challenges that each has. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And when you see so many men, where do you think, is there something that you could see something in common that this is something that is quite missing in many of the men? Well, I mean, you spoke to it earlier. There's two sides broadly, and then there's lots in between. In the more corporate world, mm -hmm. for men that are like more in these hardcore, high pressure jobs, uh, maybe they're making a lot of money, maybe they have the, the, the car, the wife, the things, but they're missing something and they're mm -hmm. suffering from burnout or stress mm -hmm. or anxiety. They may not feel connected to something more meaningful, a deeper purpose, um, a connection to nature, to their heart, to the all that is, to God, whatever you want to call it. And then on the other side, we have men in the spiritual community, which is, you know, I, I went on this path myself mm -hmm. who practice yoga, meditation. Maybe they've done plant medicine. Maybe they a dancer, a poet, whatever, a musician. And they've lost the ability to create boundaries, the ability to manifest income, to set strong desire, to lead. Mm -hmm. um, and they might have, they might have like lost their edge. So they actually need more training and discipline. And so there's, there's those extremes, right? Where a man locked in his masculine, cut off from his feminine, mm -hmm. one way to describe it, or a man that's really expressing in his feminine and actually gets to come back and express more of his masculine in a healthy balance. I see. That's, I think this is one of the biggest uh, issues. I mean, we see two extremes and the middle path is what we need to go through. And that reaching to that middle path is going to be our, the biggest learning in our life. I think once we reach there, the healing is just an inevitable, effortless path. And, and Kevin, you talk about polarity. So can you describe what exactly is this and what is it that we need to do if there is an issue because of that? Yeah, I mean, this is really exciting. This is what my next program my next group offering is going to be all about um mm -hmm. sexual polarity and, and attraction and magnetism mm -hmm. because this is this is what every man wants mm -hmm. right is, is to feel confident and embodied and powerful and then feel a woman mm -hmm. in that energy with him dancing playing the desire right the polarity the polarity is just that charge of energy that you feel when you're polarized so generally, someone's got to be in their masculine, fully owning it. Someone's got to be in their feminine. And that can switch, right? So the woman can be in her masculine. The man can be in his feminine. If it's a same-sex couple, one's got to be in the masculine. One's got to be in the feminine. This is, this is physics, right? This is, you know, you can, you can semanticize and argue this. And a lot of these like postmodern type 
people do this and they, mm-hmm. they kind of try to deconstruct it. But the reality of the felt presence of that polarity, it's unmistakable. And, and if you've, if, if you felt it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's I'm sure. Yeah. We all know what it feels like. It's real. It's, it's mm-hmm. that intangible feeling of attraction. Now, relationships go through phases they go through stages so most people start in that honeymoon phase dating it's new mm-hmm. the sex is really passionate the attraction is mm-hmm. really powerful there's leadership mm-hmm. someone's leading you know it's like dancing um and then you know the relationship might continue and you get comfortable or things get stagnant or maybe there's less surprise or maybe there's more routine and so the polarity will shift Maybe it goes away. Maybe it comes back. Maybe it's irregular. So it's important for men to understand. And there's tons of resources on this. There's so many places to start. Um, One of the best books to start is The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. That that book is, you know, is an incredible book to start this path on. David Data is an amazing thinker and speaker, author um, on this stuff. You know, that's where a lot of people, I think, started. It's certainly one of my first entry points. You have to keep polarity going. It's a, it's a maintenance and creation. It's, it won't happen automatically. Mm-hmm. And so you can see this like in like media with like the Simpsons or family guy where the, the father, right. The Homer is like fat and lazy and he's just kind of like making it up as he goes. And the wife is nagging, you know, mm-hmm. Marge is nagging him and making fun of them and they're fighting. And it's like, there's not a sexual erotic attraction and he's not leading. And, you know, that's, that's that kind of archetypal example of like loss of polarity. Mm-hmm. And so the, the feminine will want to surrender and submit. And when she can't, she'll test, she'll test and she'll nag and she'll try to really like grind you into, it's like an evolutionary thing. And so there's all these ways that you get to dance with it. And the bottom line is as a man, you have to keep creating that energy. Mm-hmm. And you have to create it with yourself. It has nothing to do with the other. You have to create it inside yourself. Are you driven? Are you committed? Are you in integrity? Are you leading your own life? Can you lead someone else's life? That's where the flirtation, the sexual polarity, the intimacy, that's what we're trying to get. We all just want to be loved. So this is where the intimacy gets really powerful. If you show up vulnerably, you're leading, you're in, you're in presence to the dance. You know, and and there's dominance and submission in there. There's leadership and vulnerability. And obviously there's the push and the pull, right? Mm -hmm. There's the penetration and there's the reception, right? This is Shiva Shakti. And this is the dance that you have to master as a man. You don't have a choice. If you don't master it, life will bring it to you and you will suffer until you master it. Like the nagging partner. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Kevin, you know, many men, they grow up with the role model that they have. You know, it could be father, it could be a friend, it could be some uncle or the man. And sometimes you also hear some men don't have a proper masculine role model. So if somebody is growing up without that, so what could be done for them? For example, if they are growing up with uh, with a father who is who is having issues with drinking or abusive or not available and that's definitely they're going to inherit some of those patterns unconsciously or maybe consciously too so in such situations i mean the first step is always the awareness because once we have that awareness we will find a way to come out of it 
But once we have that awareness, what should be the next step for such people and such men especially? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's tough again, because in the village, in the community that humans come out of and that we crave and the modern world has kind of, we still haven't figured it out exactly. You know, you would have uncles, grandfathers, mm. mentors, other men in the community that are holding you and you have multiple role models. You know, the nuclear family is not a great model to raise a child in because you just have one man, one woman that have to do everything exactly. and they're fighting exactly. and having their own energy. That's it's why not in, great. In the so, book Homo sapiens, it is said, it takes a tribe to raise a child. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. So definitely the nuclear families. So please go on. Yeah. I mean, the, the steps with that man is that, you know, it's mentorship. Find an elder, find a mentor. Once you become aware that, yeah, maybe the way your father did it wasn't working for you. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, the older brother, the friend, the relative, maybe they were abusive. Maybe they, they didn't have a mentor. So they, they were doing the best they could. They didn't really know what they were doing. You know, <clears throat> you bring in like drinking, addiction. You bring in, you know, the stress of working all the time to provide for the family, not being available emotionally, mm -hmm. physically, whatever. So yeah, the first step for that man is, okay, you have awareness of it. Now, can you feel and bring those things up and actually just admit and be with like, wow, I'm craving this. I don't know how to do this. Ask for help, mm -hmm. get support, find a mentor, find an elder, find an older man who's embodying this and enter into that relationship. And do it in a group. This is where the men's circle and the brotherhood becomes very important. You have to do it with a group and be with that energy because you can't do it alone. You can't do it with your woman. You can't it do it in your relationship. So this has to be from a brotherhood. That's what the concept yeah. of brotherhood is. Yeah. And do you have any role model that you look up to when it comes to a masculine role model? I mean, I do. I've had mentors and coaches that I, I look up to very much um, in the men's work field. Uh, I think Jordan Peterson, mm -hmm. Dr. Jordan Peterson is an amazing example. I love his work and I follow all, everything he does. He's one of the big voices right now in the world mm -hmm. as, a, as a, psycho a practicing clinical psychologist and philosopher and author who's really putting this stuff out there. Um, the late Robert Moore, who we lost, um, he, he did pass away, but his books are incredible. And, and those are, you know, Carl Jung as well is, is a great mentor from afar. Right. Um, but yeah, the physical mentors are essential. And so I've found that through the men's work organizations I've been a part of. And in Europe, um, the concept, uh, you know, portrayed by Nietzsche is something that is also quite interesting. And I think that's also something that influenced Carl Jung and then it took from there. Yeah. And also, if you see a lot of concepts from Vedic sciences from India, it's also all interconnected. Yeah, 100%. See, Kevin, so how can people reach out to you? And I see the, all the great works that you do. You offer such fantastic courses that transforms people. So what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, kevinorris.com, myname.com will have all of my work there. You know, you can check out my podcast on iTunes and Spotify, The Revolution, with the R in parentheses. So it's the R Evolution. Um, the podcast has tons of episodes on this. I just released the 100th episode. So there's so much on there. 
And then my name, if you search my name on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook, um, you'll find a lot of videos on this stuff and a lot of live um, podcasts that I've posted um, all around my work. And mm -hmm. my new course that I just launched, it's my second online course in my school, is Masculine Mastery. It's a four-week course covering the four archetypes. Mm -hmm. And it's basically my comprehensive beginner's guide to men's work. And it's take at your own pace. You can be part of a, an online um, tribe of men and women who are doing this work or doing it with their partner or doing it solo and um, really mastering those energies of king, warrior, magician, and lover. Oh, fantastic. I will be putting all this in the show notes. So before we sign off, is there something that you would like to inform a woman about what it means to be masculine? Yeah, this is, this is a great perspective. I recently read um, from this amazing author. I forget their name right now. It's a woman. Mm -hmm. And basically what will help so many women with dealing with their men, whether it's your husband or your brother or your father, whatever, men are hunters. So they look for the point. They look for the thing to solve the problem, to reach the goal. So when you're communicating with a man, just understand, imagine a man in a forest, in a jungle, trying to find the deer. Whereas the woman, gatherer energy, you know, and I'm speaking very broadly. This isn't about gender identity. This is about energetics. Women want to tell you where they were and what it was like and what they noticed. And they're collecting and gathering information. Very intuitive. Women are like oracles. They have all this beautiful information to share, but there may not always be a point. So when you're communicating with a man, ladies, just understand that's how he's wired. That's what he wants to see. That's what he's aiming at. So if you know that, don't get mad at him when he's not going to communicate like a woman. <laughs> he's communicating like a man and celebrate that. That's the hack. That's the life hack. Oh, fantastic. I'm sure many women listening to this will be sending this to all their girlfriends. And also, you must listen to this. This is something that I'm sure it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, it was really a pleasure having this beautiful discussion. And wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond. If you loved and enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, share and review us. This helps to spread our mission of guiding humanity to becoming their healthiest self and also giving the right resources for holistic healing. If you wish to know more about my work, please do visit www.vigneshdevraj.com and if you are interested in doing an Ayurveda treatment or authentic Panchakarma therapy, please log on to www.sitaramretreat.com.